Hey church, Pastor Adam here, and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for Church Online today. And, and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do want to remind you that really this is just is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and, and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, but, but also, we don't want to be uh, your substitute. Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person uh, one Sunday. If you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church and and we love Jesus and, and we believe that we can better serve uh, Jesus, if we love his church well. So, welcome to rest. Good morning, Rest Church. If you are new here this morning, I want to say welcome. My name is Cody. I am one of the pastors here at Rest Church. I want to ask you um, today has anyone lost their kid before? Anyone? Anyone lost their kid? Um, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a kid of the 80s. We didn't have tethers for, or leashes for our kids, or, or at least for me. But um, the, the panic that you feel in that moment is real, right? I mean, it is like an absolute palpable panic of epic proportion. Um, and, and I want to tell you a story today of my childhood. Um, I was a very, very weeny little bitty baby when this occurred. And um, my parents don't know I'm telling this. Sorry, mom and dad. They tend to watch online. But when my older sister was about five years old, she went on a trip with my dad on a wrestling uh, tournament. My dad was uh, the head wrestling coach at uh, Cole County High School for about 35 years. And if you know anything about wrestling, they're not just all day events, they're like all life events. Um, you, you leave bef well before the sun rises, and you get home well, well after the sun sets. And one night, my dad, who also drove the bus for the team, um, they came home, and my sister was with him, and she fell asleep in one of the bus seats. And this was back in the old days when, you know, you had the master padlock and the buses were behind, you know, razor wire fence, whatever. And my dad comes home, he drops the whole team off, he drives the bus over to the bus garage, he, you know, turns the keys off, gets off the bus, goes down to the gate, padlocks the gate, leaves, drives home and walks into the house. And my mom's first response to my dad was, where's Brandy? And he goes, I, I thought you had her. And she, my mom, did the mom thing. What do you mean you thought I had her? And he goes, well, I guess she's on the bus. So then my dad proceeds to turn around and drive back to the bus garage. As he drives back to the bus garage, he's obviously met with the real-life dilemma that she's behind a fence with a padlock. And so what does my dad do? Just like any other trusty father, he proceeds to climb the fence and hop over so that he can get his baby girl home. 
I tell you that story today because it's a perfect segue to where we'll finish today. And I want to I ask you, are you glad that we have a God who's like my dad who will climb a fence to find us? To bring us kind of back to perspective of where we're at here in Psalm 23, it's clear that we have to understand the main thing, the main thought, the main ethos that's going on here. This psalm is about the shepherd. It is, it, make no mistake, you, have, you couldn't have an image of the shepherd. Mind you, the lights are, just, just bear with us. Um, the, the shepherd couldn't be a shepherd without the sheep. Make no mistake about that. It requires both the sheep and the shepherd. However, if you look closely, you will find the inspiration of these six short verses is about the position of the sheep relative to the shepherd. While we find the words, me, my, I, within the text, the writer of the psalm, Psalm 23, is identifying solely based on their relationship predicated to the shepherd. And this morning we come to verse 2 in our study as we go for the six-week sermon series of the shepherd. And we come to verse 2 where he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. As A.B. said last week, sheep are highly dependent creatures. They are highly dependent. They are high maintenance. They're almost incapable of taking care of themselves. In the Western world, we read this text. We read the, he makes me, or he leads me. And we resist against this idea, because in the Western world, we will take a leader to lead us every now and again, but we absolutely do not like the thought of someone making us do anything. Especially in the American culture. We would more akin identify with a John Wayne western town than we would a dependent little lamb. We want control, or we like the thought of control, right? We, we, we like to perceive as if we ourselves are in control. However, we must tread very carefully because if we want the, we want the good gifts that the shepherd gives, we've got to be submissive to the good shepherd. What we tend to do is we tend to treat God like a genie in a bottle. Walk up, Lord, my family is in distress. Can you help my crazy daughter not be crazy? Lord, I don't know why my MX bill is so high. Can you help us find a little bit of income? We tend to treat God in that passion or in that, in that position. He is the Lord, though. He knows what we need, and honestly, he cares not what we want. He is the good shepherd. And, and here's a concept I want us to wrestle with this morning as we look at this idea, this concept of he makes me, he, he leads me, what is good for us isn't always good to us, church. 
what is good for us isn't always good to us. It's just kind of like, you know, of course, every night, your kids are going to be like, Mom, Dad, can we have ice cream for dinner? Yes. We've got Buddy over here from Elf. But that's the question, right? And while it is good, like, to us, it's not good for us. And our good shepherd knows even when we are desperate, God, can you let me have this? He knows what is best for us. He knows what we need. He cares not what we want. We don't like that he makes me because we feel like we know what's best for us and we know the shortest way. It's kind of like, you know, in our mindset of believing we know the shortest way, every runaway sheep every now and then, they'll find a season where the clouds will part. And it'll be sunny on the pasture. They'll even find a plum tree that's dropping its fruit every now and again. But in due time, what will happen is the wool will begin to grow over their eyes. They'll find their heads stuck in a hole and their butt sticking up in the air. Their heads in the hole, butt stuck in the air. And the whole time they're praying, Jesus, Jesus, if you just get me out of here, if you just get me out, I'll follow you wherever you take me. Isn't that us? Like, our head's in the hole, and we're like, God, I'll go wherever, I promise, I promise, I promise. Only to jump out and be like, yeah, right, he leads me, he makes me, and you're like dodging, like dodgeball. That's us. That's us. Say this, we like sheep you guys can kill it now we like sheep are dependent on the shepherd we are dependent on the shepherd we need the good shepherd to lead us to make us to guide us to keep us from the evil one to keep us from the proclivity of the pit that we want to jump in and I know I know you some some folks hear what I say they're hearing this and in their mind they're saying yes 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 I know that's what you say it's not that I can't do it on my own but pastor here's what you need to know I have done it on my own you're probably sitting in a position of pride, looking at me, going, yeah, that's some Christian mumbo junk. I, I, need, I need a shepherd. I need somebody to lead me. But dude, I've been making it on my own. I've been doing it all by myself. And, and here's, here's, here's what I submit to you, because as I was wrestling with this, I see the world in pictures. When I read, I see the world in pictures. And as I was wrestling with this thought, I have this, this, this idea of a mouse running through a maze. And there's a series of doors on the outside that can be opened where other little rooms can, can become open to the mouse. And the mouse is coming around corners and around corners. And he, he, he finds cheese. 
He finds the cheese. He finds provision. He finds nourishment. He finds peace. But little does he know, on the outside of that maze, there's someone opening the door that leads them to the cheese. And so you say to me today, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't need anybody. I have done it on my own. Little do you know you are a mouse in a mere maze who the good shepherd is opening doors. Because make no mistake, every gift you have, whether you think you got it or he gave it to you, he absolutely did because he is the father of lights and every good gift comes from him. So whether we want to admit it or not, He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So we come to this point of he makes me, he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures beside still waters. There's a twofold image here. The shepherd has guided the sheep into a place of both peace and provision, or provision and peace. Let's deal with the provision part first. The Hebrew phased, uh, phrasing here of, of the green pastures is not a golfing green. He's not painting a picture of a well-manicured lawn somewhere that's beautiful that we would want to lay down. No, it's a, it's a picture of provision. It, it, it is a field that is rich with nourishment. The greenness emphasizes the newness of growth. It is grass that has life in it, life-giving grass for the sheep. God has provided life-giving grass for the sheep. But not just, he's not just led them into a place of green pastures, but we see the word still or quiet waters. And so what we have there is we have the water where we can go up and get a drink at any point without risk of being pulled into mighty raging waters. And so what we see in this picture is the shepherd has brought the sheep into a place where they have provision, where they have food and water, where they can meet their basic needs there in that moment. The God of the cosmos has choreographed our coming and going, and he has put us in a position for his providing. So we tend to diminish God's personal role with us sometimes. We tend to think that, that, that our experience with God is only experiential in worship. Come rest on us, God. We're singing a song, but the reality is, is God is so much bigger and he's so much pervasive in our lives. He is opening doors of provision everywhere we look. The job you have, he gave you. The food you have, the electricity that you have, and even, check this out, even the lack thereof, he gave you to protect you from something. So we have the provision side green pastures, still waters, but then there is the peace side of it. Peace and provision. Here's peace. In the most correct translation, because as A.B. said last week, uh, Psalm 23 is one of the best known chapters in all of Scripture, but it is the worst translated passage in all of Scripture. And so and I'm going to give you the literal Hebrew translation. It's this, by waters of rest he leads me. By waters of rest he leads me. How many of you struggle with restless leg syndrome or insomnia? Yeah, 
Yeah, um, uh, I'll tell you, uh, she's downstairs, so she can't do anything about it. Uh, Molly has restless leg syndrome, and um, some nights she's out of bed like 15 times in a night. And, and you know, uh, I, I typically am a, a heavy sleeper. Right now I'm not, so she's waking me up like 15 times a night. But uh, funny enough, sheep are terrible sleepers. They're absolutely terrible sleepers. They need the absolute best conditions in order to fall asleep. Like, they almost never fall asleep. And, and, and when we tend to come to this passage, take that in mind, we tend to dwell in on, he makes me, he leads me. We, we dwell on the negative. But short of an anesthesiologist giving us anesthesia, it is impossible to force somebody to go to sleep, isn't it? Like, like I can't stand over my kids and go, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. That, that, that doesn't work. It's like, you need to provide the right environment. I heard a person say, yeah. Like, they're looking at their kids, like, go to sleep. Mom and dad want to hang out. You know, right? You can't force them. You got to provide an environment that is rich for rest to occur. David, knowing that, being a shepherd, keenly aware of what it means to provide sheep with an environment for rest, clues into us. In this picture here, the flock has been brought into a place where they can sleep and find rest. Where the shepherd is, is where peace is found. Where the shepherd is, is where peace is found. To understand Psalm 23 holistically, to understand the full hermeneutic, to understand the full interpretation of what's going on here, we cannot separate the four images that we have in Psalm 23 from themselves. And that's a classic failure of most people when they teach through Psalm 23. They want to teach these four different images separately. Chapter, I mean, verse 2, green pastures, quiet waters. Verse 3, pass of righteousness. Verse 4, valley of shadow death. Verse 5, table in the presence of my enemies. We want to separate this out. However, the writer is trying to convey the undeniable disposition experienced in the company of the shepherd, no matter which image the sheep may find itself. For example, he says in verse 1, I shall not be in want. In verse 2, he shows us the peace and provision that is given from the quiet waters and the green pastures. In verse 5, he says that our cup will be overflowing. In verse 6, he says the goodness and mercy will follow him for all of his days. Peace happens no matter our present circumstances. We have to understand that the peace that comes with the shepherd happens in each and every one of these pictures. It doesn't matter if you're at the quiet waters and it doesn't matter if you're at the valley of shadow or death and it doesn't matter if you're surrounded by your enemies. If the shepherd is there, peace is there because where the shepherd is, there is shalom. Because wherever the shepherd is, there is shalom. If we come to know one thing about peace found in Psalm 23, it's this church. It is definitely not the absence of conflict. Psalm 23 is ripe with conflict. And the peace still occurs in the midst of the conflict. 
conflict, clearly we find ourselves in the deep valleys. We find ourselves surrounded by our enemies. But if we stay where the shepherd is, we will continue to find a disposition of completeness. If we stay where the shepherd is, we will continue to find a disposition of completeness. What does this mean? Because peace sometimes can be so abstract. It can be like hearing a foreign language. It can be like understanding, what do you mean by peace? I, I, don't, I don't conceptually understand. Each person, this is why it's different. For each person, it is different. For each person, it is different. You know, what's funny is like my wife and I, we are one of flesh. We are best friends and we're madly in love. Like we're, we're going to be that old couple. Everybody's like gross. My kids are already like gross. And we find it cool. But each person is different. She and I have a different concept of peace. Why? Because we are mentally made different. The things that stresses me out is so different than the things that stresses her out. For example, this morning we're talking about a topic and it came up. It's something that won't happen, church, for a year. And she immediately is thrown into a ball of stress. And I look at her and go, what are you doing? It's a year away. It's because we're made different. Peace for me is different than peace from her. But however, this is the commonality. It comes down to a transformed mind. Romans 12, 2. That we have a transformed mind. What does that mean? That we have yielded our minds over to the Lord. The anxieties that drive us, we say to the Lord, Lord, you are my shepherd. If I give it to you, I will not want. There we find shalom, shalom. When we give the Lord our anxieties, when we give him these things so that we can be led into the path of green, I mean, into the pasture of green pastures with quiet waters, we find shalom, shalom, perfect peace. What is that perfect peace? It is found in the Prince of Peace. If we submit to the shepherd of Psalm 23, he brings us into a place of life giving rest church. If I lie down in green pastures and I am led to water that will be there for me, not just momentarily, but for whenever I need it. Here's the cool thing about Psalm 23. Verse 2 is meant to follow to the end of verse 6. The green pastures and the still waters, they don't change whether we go through the valley of the shadow of death. They don't change whether our enemies surround us because where the shepherd is, we always have rest. Where the shepherd is, we always have rest. In the pastures where Jesus tends the flock and the sheep keep their eyes on Jesus, they will neither hunger nor thirst. They will be complete. I may go through seasons of dread and dismay, but if I'm with the shepherd, I am complete. This is what it means, church, for us to suffer well. You've heard the pastor team talk about we as a church must learn to suffer well. There is a way to suffer and stink at it where you're like a, a three-year-old in Walmart who's going through the checkout and they see the starburst and little gooey, gooey things and they're laying on their back, kicking and crying. God, I want it. How many of you have been that parent before? Right? How embarrassed are you? Imagine God looking at us. We're the kids in the Walmart checkout, laying on our back, screaming and crying, but God, I want it. 
but God, I want it. See, there's a difference in the shepherd, I mean, in the sheep when they look at the shepherd. When the sheep, when they look at the shepherd, they find their completeness. They can endure hardship and still have completeness in the presence of the shepherd because they taste and see his goodness. They see that he provides provision and peace. We find perfect peace when we set with the shepherd. Examples of this are all throughout the scriptures. An example I bring up constantly, and you've heard me say this so many times, is we find Paul and Silas in prison. They've just been flogged. They've just been beaten. And what are they doing? They're singing songs and hymns because they were counted worthy enough to be beaten for Jesus. They were counted worthy enough, Acts says. Not just that, but we find Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They, they come to the fiery furnace and they say, if we get thrown in there, nothing will happen to us because our God will protect us. They had completeness because their eyes were on the shepherd. Not just that, but we see at the stoning of Stephen. Stephen is being stoned for being a follower of Christ, yet he is not distracted by the stones that are physically and literally striking his body. His eyes are fixed in heaven and he is praising the Lord. That's what it means to find completeness in the midst of chaos. Not just that, but we see Paul's writing from the Roman prison, from the dungeon. He writes to the church in Philippi and Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to bring you some context to all your terrible t-shirts. Here it is. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Here it is, church, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every circumstances, I have learned the secret of placing Facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here it is, the context of the verse we all put on shirts is this. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It means I can be beaten in a jail cell. It means that I can abound and be the chief of Pharisees. It means that I can have whatever circumstance, but if my eyes are fixed on the shepherd, I am complete. I have peace and I have provision. He is the good giver of all things. Because where the shepherd is, there is shalom. And so this morning, church, don't get lost at the watering hole. When it comes to Psalm 23, you know the verses. You can probably quote it. You went to youth groups, so to speak. You have been vaccinated with Christianity. But how do you know if the Lord is your shepherd or not? Or how do you know if he is leading you or not? Back in the times of Jesus, there wasn't a ton of water in Israel. And the, the um, shepherds would go to the few and far between wells, more than likely, or few and far between watering holes that are in Judea. And what happened is because there was few and far between watering places in that area, they would tend to find other shepherds and their sheep there in that area. And as they would come up, the, the sheep would begin to commingle, 
herd and herd, mixing all one another in that group. And so the question arises, what happens when it's time for them to leave? Because they didn't have brands, they didn't have tags on their ears, but they needed to separate out one flock from another. Well, here's the cool thing. The shepherd would begin to talk. And while all of the sheep in the given area would hear the voice of that shepherd, the sheep of his pasture would know his voice. They would hear it and they would follow it. Jesus using this very real example that the folks who were in the time of the first century New Testament, they hear Jesus say this, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Do you know the voice? To this day, I have really, really bad hearing. Really bad hearing. And I spent enough time with my dad being yelled at, being loved on. I spent enough time with the headgear on my head wrestling. And, and to hear his single one voice in an arena with a thousand other people be able to pick out that one voice. Why? Because I spent enough time with my father that I can hear his voice. And so there's two questions. Do you know what the voice of the Lord sounds like? Have you sat with the shepherd long enough for him to make you or lead you? Is, 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 is his voice prevalent in your life? And the second question, and man, this is a question for the modern church that, that I'm not even sure that, that, that the writers of this could have even conceptualized. Is the ambient noise in your environment so loud that you can't even hear him talk? Because no matter how much I can hear my dad's voice in an arena with thousands of other people, there comes this point where the volume is so loud, no matter what, I will never hear his voice. And, and I submit there are two different groups in this, in this room today. You have group one who, who could not hear the voice of the Lord because they can't distinguish it between any other voice. They haven't sat down with the shepherd long enough to be led into green pastures, to be led to quiet waters, to have his peace and provision. And then there's a separate group who the your environment, everything you have going on is so loud you do not stand a chance at knowing the paths of righteousness. So You have to spend time with the shepherd in order to know his voice. You have to turn the volume down on everything else so that you can hear it. And for another group today, if necessary, let us walk with a limp. I want you to keep this in your mind. 
I want this to be the prayer of your heart this week. You want to understand the context. Every night at twilight, the shepherd does the same exact thing. He gathers his flock and he counts his sheep. Every night. And sometimes there's a sheep that's missing. Usually it's a young little buck. This sheep is dumb or too smart for its own gut. What he doesn't know is that alone and apart from the flock, a predator can take him and kill him, overpower him, and he can become a a victim. Or he could fall over a cliff and be lamb chops. So the shepherd leaves the flock. He goes out to retrieving. But every once in a while, the same stubborn little lamb will run away over and over and over again. So one day the shepherd goes and he he would get him, he would procure him, him or her, and bring the lamb and lay it over his lap. And he would take his staff, it's roughly about a 25 pound staff and it will have a crook in it. Take that staff and he'll put the the leg of the lamb inside the crook of the staff and break the leg of the lamb. And you might be, oh my gosh, why would the shepherd do such a terrible thing? Well, the shepherd would then carry him home and sent up the broken leg. And he would splint up that broken leg that would eventually lead to that lamb walking with a limp. Because the lamb for all this time has struggled to understand the relationship with the shepherd. If he wants to be alive, he has to follow the voice and the command of the shepherd. Because where the shepherd is, there is safety. Apart from the shepherd, apart from the flock, there is danger. And so he, it, what is best for the lamb is that they may walk with the limp and be alive versus being dead apart from the flock or apart from the shepherd. And many of us, we continue to be on this journey with Jesus where we keep leaving the flock. We keep saying, I don't need the flock anymore. I don't need to be a part of that. My life is good. I can do it on my own. I've got this all under control. But little do we know, there is danger lurking around the corner. And what is best is that we say to the shepherd, shepherd, let me walk with a limb. Let me walk with limp. We've got to stay close to Jesus. And maybe you walked in here today with a limp. And I'm not saying God causes every single limp. But man, some of us, God has absolutely wounded us to bring us back to the flock. And it's our limp that draws us closer to the shepherd. And so, Let it be our prayer today. Let you be bold enough to say to God, God, if necessary, make me walk with the lamp. God, I would rather follow you than be on my own. God, I would rather follow you than to have my head in a hole and my butt in the air. 
God, I would rather follow you and find completeness where I know you can meet my need, where you give me peace and provision, where, God, I have that peace and provision, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I sit at the table in the presence of my enemies, because, God, you are the good shepherd. So let us, church, let us learn in this season, whatever season you are in, to either suffer well or to endure well. That in due season, whether you are coming or you are going, you will face tribulation. And if you don't put your eyes on the Good Shepherd, you will indeed run away. You will indeed find yourself trouble. But as Paul said, his power is made perfect in our weakness. So I ask you today, are you walking where the shepherd can make you and lead you? Does he make you or lead you? Do you know the voice of the shepherd?